Asians make up about 7% of the U.S. population. But according to recent reports published by the Institute for Diversity and Ethics in Sport, players of Asian descent made up less than 1% of players in D1 men's college basketball, women's college basketball, and college football. In the pros, players of Asian descent made up less than 0.5% of players in the NBA, WNBA, and the NFL. Why are there so few Asian Americans playing college or pro sports? And how can we increase Asian American representation in these sports? Well, this is what this new podcast, The Asian American Athlete, is all about. first episode of the Asian American Athlete, the podcast that tackles the underrepresentation of Asian American athletes in college and professional sports, while also aiming to empower the next generation of Asian American athletes. My name is Justin Hong, and on today's episode, I'm going to share a little about me, my athletic journey, and more importantly, I wanted to shed light on why I don't think I reached my potential as an athlete. Hopefully younger Asian American athletes can learn from my experience so that they can break through in their careers. And then um, after my journey, I'll also get into why I'm doing this podcast as well as um, giving you guys a preview of the type of content that this podcast will cover. So let's get into it. A little bit about me and why I'm doing this podcast. So I'm a second generation Asian American. My parents moved from Taiwan to the US in the late 1970s. Eventually ended up in Dallas, Texas, where my brother and I were both born. Uh, I grew up a sports fanatic. I loved sports growing up. Played soccer, baseball, football, tennis, you name it. But my passion was basketball. Ever since I was a little kid, I dreamed of making the NBA. Just starting from when I was, I would say, around fifth grade, I started putting in work. I was just grinding. You know, I was doing, if you guys remember back in the day, I was doing, you know, the strength shoes. I was doing those, trying to increase my vertical. I was training with the big ball. I was practicing dribbling, dribbling with those little buzzer things that you put in your hand so that your palms wouldn't touch the ball. I was waking up early, getting in shape, jump roping, putting myself through hours upon hours of drills. So I would say my desire and work ethic just really couldn't be questioned. In high school, one of my teammates on the basketball team told me that, he thought I had the best work ethic of anyone he'd ever met. And what's weird is that I actually think I could have worked even harder. Uh, but of course, never made the NBA, never came close to even playing college ball, actually never even got a single recruiting letter from a college, not even like an NAIA school or D3 school, um, definitely not anything from a D1 school. Uh, in high school, I played on the JV team my sophomore and junior years. And the peak of my athletic career came when I made the varsity team my senior year where I mostly sat on the bench. I want to say I scored four points my entire varsity career. So what happened? What happened to me? So like, how could someone with my work ethic, with my ambition to be a good basketball player, max out as a, let's call it what it is, as a bench warmer, you know, at the high school varsity level? been thinking about it. And when I look back, there are a few issues, few issues at hand here. So 
First of all, let's address my physical traits. So I'm a little over 5'11", barefoot, and about six feet in shoes. In high school, I played around 160 to 165 pounds. I had decent athletic ability, but nothing crazy. If I recall, my max vertical was about 28 inches. Uh, definitely couldn't dunk. <laughs> but so it's possible that I just wasn't born with the athletic ability to play college or pro ball. So, you know, physical athletic ability might have been a bit limiting. But I actually think there were a couple other bigger, more important reasons why I never made it beyond the high school level. First reason, I don't think I was equipped to succeed, both from like a skill set standpoint and also from an, you know, an understanding of what it would take to get to the college level. So let's talk about ability first. Uh, this is hard for me to swallow, but I just, I don't think I was good enough. You know, I don't think my skills were good enough. How could this have happened, right? Though, like with the amount of work that I put in. So, you know, more recently, I've come to the realization that while I worked, I was just doing the same drills over and over. I was learning what drills to do on my own. I was mastering those drills, but who knows if those drills were really, you know, the most effective drills and that could have had the most impact on my game. I wasn't aware back then of the concept of deliberate practice, which is a specific type of practice that is purposeful and systematic that helps someone get better at his or her craft uh, in an impactful way. And by doing, you know, by engaging deliberate practice, I, I would have been challenging myself constantly to become a better player. Instead, I was out there putting in the work, doing random drills, mastering them, but who knows if they were really helping and not necessarily becoming a better skilled basketball player in the meantime. From a, yeah, so that was from like a skill set standpoint, but even moving to a knowledge standpoint of what it would take to get to the next level, I didn't have it. I didn't have that institutional knowledge um, that was required. I didn't know about working with private coaches or trainers. I knew about basketball camps, but never really seriously considered going to them because I just didn't understand how valuable they could be from a skill set development standpoint. I didn't understand how going to camps would have possibly help me get, you know, get involved, get recruited, right? Because there's a networking component, getting to know other players, getting to know other coaches, developing relationships, doing all those little things could have allowed me to perhaps move beyond the level that I got, uh, that I got to. Now, even if I wanted to get recruited, I didn't know how to get in front of colleges from like, from a marketing standpoint to market myself as a player. I didn't know how to be proactive like that. So I was definitely lacking in the institutional knowledge on how to get to the next level. The next big reason for why I think I maxed out at the high school level is that I wasn't empowered to make it to the next level. And I'll get into specifics as to why, but I just really don't think I was strong enough mentally. And I definitely lacked the confidence needed to, to play in college, right? So uh, let's talk about why I didn't feel empowered. So my parents weren't necessarily supportive of me in terms of sports being the top, top priority. My parents are immigrants to this country. They were fine with me playing sports, but you know, it wasn't something that outweighed the importance of academics, for example. They certainly were not going to be investing in me going to you know, camps. Yeah, they were not invested in, in hiring private coaches for me to help develop my skill set. Uh, we weren't going to do those type of things. Uh, of course, on a complete side note, my parents did invest in me to take piano lessons and, and you know get involved in piano competitions and those kind of things. Uh, somebody's got to explain to me why 
or how piano became the goat extracurricular activity for Asian kids at some point. Uh, but I digress. Uh, I recently read an incredible book called Permission to Come Home about mental health for Asian Americans by Jenny Wang, which I highly, highly recommend for, for anyone listening to this. Go check out that book. Uh, in this book, Jenny wrote something that made so much sense and highly resonated with me, um, which is that immigrants are deeply motivated by the concept of safety. They come to this country. So much is, is unknown. They probably, a lot of, you know, the immigrants don't have much money on them. They're just trying to survive. And safety becomes the most important driver. And for many Asian immigrant families, safety is about taking the path with the least risk, right? So what does the least path, least risky path look like? Get good grades. Get into a good college. Don't take risks and potentially steer out of this path. Get a safe and secure high-paying job. The most prestigious, of course, is becoming a doctor, but you know it's, it's cool to become a lawyer, engineer, accountant. Those are all fine as well. Sports are risky to them. There's too much that's out of the control of the parents. And you know what? So few athletes actually make it to the college or professional levels. They might actually be right in a sense about how, quote unquote, risky sports are, right? So many Asian parents are just not really emphasizing sports to their kids. Uh, definitely not over academics. Um, and if they do emphasize sports, it might be an individual sport like tennis or golf, as opposed to a team sport like basketball or baseball, football, uh, number one, because I think Asian parents have seen, you know, the success of other Asians in sports like tennis or golf. But I also think second, you know, a second reason would be they can also control, there aren't as many variables, right? T like it's much more challenging to control multiple people, right? Which is what teams are made out of, uh, made up of. Individually, if it's only just one golfer or one tennis player, that's less risky. You know, could be you know that could be the perception to Asian parents. So, um, yeah. It, long story short, I didn't feel like I was empowered by my parents to get beyond to where I was. You know, you know that I got to. Now. Another aspect of empowerment, uh, lack of empowerment for me is that I didn't really see other athletes that I could truly emulate. I had heroes in sports, you know, born uh, and born in Dallas. I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys and Dallas Mavericks fan. I was, you know, my heroes, Troy Aikman, Emma Smith. Dirk is my favorite basketball player of all time. You know, Jason Kidd fan, love Jason Terry. Uh, but you know what? None of them look like me. I couldn't really, you know, emulate their past because their past just weren't the same as mine. You know, just different backgrounds, different cultures, um, different barriers to, you know, getting to, 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 you know, certain levels in, in athletic careers. There just weren't many other Asian American athletes who'd made it to the college or pro levels. Right. So I, I didn't, I didn't really see many people who look like me, uh, playing college basketball, college football and so forth. I didn't have many inspirational stories of players um, who I could, you know, players who look like me, who I could learn from. We just had different hurdles, right? So like, how do you make it to the college level when your parents are immigrants and are totally against you playing sports? How do you navigate that? How do you handle skill development when your parents won't invest in skills coaching or trainers? How do you handle facing stereotypes and biases when you're the only Asian on the court? Yeah, I think it would have done wonders for my confidence if I could have just seen or heard more stories about other Asian American athletes uh, making it beyond high school. 
the the other aspect of empowerment is that I just don't think that I had the confidence needed to make it to the college level. So even though I was putting in the work and looking back, I don't think I had confidence in my game. You know, so what I was practicing didn't really translate onto the court during real games. I didn't have anyone coaching me in the mental aspect of the game. And, you know, I just, I don't think I was mentally tough enough um, to, to, to reach my potential as a player because I was getting held back, you know, from this mental aspect. You know, I didn't have the confidence to stand up for myself, right? I think I was, it was ingrained in me to just put your head down, don't make waves, just, just work and, you know, you know, good things will happen. So I didn't stand up for myself, right? So like every time something happened, you know, getting the slant eye gesture thrown at me or getting referred to as Bruce Lee by another team's fan, I never said anything. I never stood up for myself. Even off the court, I remember this one time in high school, a classmate of mine, good athlete, one of the uh, better athletes in school said something to me like, why are you working so hard at basketball? Even if you make the team, you're just going to ride the bench anyway. You know, that... I don't, I don't know why he felt compelled to tell me that, uh, it hurt me, but I didn't say anything in response. Right. I didn't, I didn't stand up for myself. So, you know, that was something, you know, I, I lack confidence and something else that might've subconsciously affected my confidence, shame, shame of being Asian, shame of just looking different and coming from a culture that values being low key, you know, humble, modest, you know, those values don't really align with the, like the aggressive, hyper-competitive nature of American sports. I think a lot of the Asian stereotypes, particularly the model minority and perpetual foreigner stereotypes, affected me as well. Let's face it, a lot of the Asian stereotypes, right? The quiet, nerdy kid who's good at math and science and plays piano, has zero swagger. Those are not necessarily confidence-creating uh, you know, attributes for an adolescent Asian American. So in a way, I, I feel like I, you know, I might've carried the weight of those stereotypes with me whenever I stepped onto the court. All of which means when I actually stepped foot into an actual game in high school, I was shook, right? I was defeated before I got into the game. So why am I doing this podcast? So I think there's an entire generation of Asian American kids, just like me back in the day, dreaming of playing college sports or making it to college or the professional level, but just they don't feel equipped or empowered to get to those levels. And they have the desire, they have the work ethic, the passion, just like I did, but they're running to some of the same hurdles that I did and, and potentially some other hurdles as well that I have addressed here, addressed here today. You know, prof- you know, maybe it's athletic ability or skills of development, mental barriers, et cetera. And you're seeing it in the data the numbers, right? From when I was growing up and I was in high school in the 90s to a quarter century later, we're not seeing, you know, from a percentage standpoint, many more Asian Americans playing at the college or professional levels. So I think there's an opportunity here to empower the next generation of Asian American athletes to be aware of what some of those barriers are um, and, and to how to break through them to reach the college and professional levels. Now, Let's take a look at the type of content that is going to be on this podcast. So, um, you know, what are we going to be doing to empower and to equip the next generation of Asian American athletes? Uh, I know I'm doing a solo pod today, but I, I'm anticipating that I'll mostly be using interview format for this podcast. Uh, and so 
using this interview format, this podcast will, number one, tell stories, specifically the stories of Asian, Asian American athletes who have made it to the college or professional levels. I think it's important for younger Asian American athletes to learn their story, to learn about their stories, emulate their past, learn how they overcame barriers that are specific to Asian Americans. I also think, you know, not even just beyond athlete stories, I also think it's important to tell the stories of Asian, uh, Asian Americans in the coaching ranks, you know, sports media, sports management, etc. cetera. Uh, the second big content pillar for this podcast to, is to educate and to equip. The lack of institutional knowledge on how to develop and elevate athletes to the next level has been has been a challenge for Asian Americans, right? So answering questions like, how does the recruiting process work? What's a private skills coach? What camps are there for ongoing skill development? Outside of school, what league should I play in? What's AAU basketball? If you're a senior in high school and feel like you could use one more year to make yourself more attractive to colleges, how does a postgrad year work, right? There's a massive sports development infrastructure here in the U.S., but the Asian community here hasn't really fully tapped into it yet. So this show aims to answer these and many more questions to provide more institutional knowledge for the audience. And lastly, this podcast aims to help Asian American athletes overcome stereotypes, biases, and challenges specific to Asian Americans. Through interviews with Asian American athletes and experts on Asian American related issues. This podcast will strive to coach and mentor the next generation of Asian American athletes on overcoming stereotypes and biases that can create mental and emotional barriers. So now you know a little bit more about me, why I'm launching this podcast and the type of content that it'll cover. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. And I would love for you to subscribe to this podcast and join me on this journey as we equip and empower the next generation of Asian American athletes. See you in the next episode.